This is Framed, a podcast where a group of friends get together once a week to talk about movies, what we liked about them, what we didn't like, and how they're made. I'm Elliot. I'm Robert. And I'm Brennan. Uh, We will be doing AI Artificial Intelligence, uh, directed by Steven Spielberg. So, so AI to start. <laughs> uh, I did not purposely pick this as a heart tugger movie. I will say that. Did you you found it to be a heart tugger? In some spots, yeah. Well, do we want to stick with the usual and go chronologically, or do we just want to like? randomly jump around elliot do you want to give a synopsis for the listeners uh i'll do a synopsis and then let's do a quick like round table of opinions and then if we have time we can like start like just kind of go through the plot points chronologically yeah that sounds good so synopsis uh ai is set in the future where um global warming has melted the ice caps and everybody's moved inland which doesn't become important till the end of the movie, but um, <laughs> because the population has decreased, this has forced technology to create artificial intelligence robots to help out with everyday tasks. And um, the creator of the robots has decided that he wants to start creating children robots to uh, help lonely parents who are unable or not uh, qualified because in this this future, there you know you have to have a license to have children apparently. Uh, so he's he's spotted this market for for child robots, and so they send off their first prototype to a husband and wife whose only child is in the hospital with no hope of recovery. Um, and so, and then hilarity hilarity ensues. ensues. Um, yeah, this this movie's kind of hard to summarize because it's it's kind of. And I'm, I'm kind of getting into, well, it's long, yes. I'm kind of getting into opinion <laughs> territory here, but it's it's kind of several yeah. movies jammed together, in my opinion. Like, the it starts it out as is. one movie, and then it shifts gears to another kind of movie, and then it shifts gears again. Um, 100% agree. Yeah. So I guess that's a good segue. That's kind of the jumping off point, is it's about this artificial intelligence boy named David and how he wants to become a real boy. Played by the amazing Haley Joel Osment. Haley Joel Osment, who has a huge... I was looking... He has a ginormous beard now. <laughs> he does. So it's I didn't intense. know this. I mean, I, I watched this thinking, oh, yeah, it's the kid from The Sixth Sense. But then I went and looked at his filmography because I haven't heard from this guy in years, like, professionally. Right. Like, what what else yeah. has he been in? And apparently he's the, the voice of Sora on Kingdom Hearts, which is a, yes. a popular video game franchise which i i did not know so yes that's the only other thing recently that i have known him to be in to my knowledge i mean i'm sure he's done other stuff but yeah i mean it's i'm, I'm happy that he didn't like completely crater like so many child stars um and you know just have his whole <laughs> life wrecked it seems like he's doing okay um but yes ai uh brennan since this was your movie pick do you want to go first just like quick you know first impression what did you think of this um sure so well first before i go into that i have noticed um a lot of steven spielberg's movies are based on short stories Hmm. i found that out i did a little bit of research on this one as well uh, like i did with the first one we did um it was based on a short story called Super Toys Last All Summer Long. Hmm. I haven't looked more into that. I just thought that was interesting because that first one was also based off of a short story. That's true. <coughs> um, but to be fair, this was Stanley Kubrick's um, choice and passion project that Spielberg only did after he died as like an homage to him. Correct, yes. Yeah. But it turned out, I felt like I am let me think. I Going into this, I mainly had first picked this as a, hey, we're going to be doing a planning on doing an AI 
um, movie in the future. Um, going into that, um, it was also one of the few Steven Spielberg movies I have not seen. Um, I enjoyed it. There was, like you said, there was that going from one type of movie to another aspect, which kind of got me off track every once in a while, I'm not going to lie, but I also have attention span issues, as we all know, so, um, but altogether, I thought it was a good movie. Hmm. Did anything stand out to you as, like, particularly well done or memorable or, like, quintessential Spielberg? Um, I'm trying to remember. Uh, not, I mean, nothing really stood out, stood out that I can recall. I did, because this was, when was this? This was 2000, early 2000s, late 1990s. Yeah, like 2001. 2001. I did feel like a lot of the... The special effects actually were not too bad. Mm. I, that's something that stood out to me for the time that it was. That's um, true. I mean, it, it, you didn't really need a lot of special effects for it anyway. But maybe like in the beginning where it has the that lady and it... Sh- which I, you guys know more than I do, obviously, about the editing process. But I thought that was well done going from the lady to uh, the robot the robot yeah. i felt like that. it was a good tr- and then whenever they're quote unquote doing surgery um after he ate that spinach or whatever that was i felt like they did for the time this was made it was it was pretty good effects that was really all the big thing that stood out to me yeah, that's that's true. Like I I I was not um really paying that much attention to oh yeah, that looks fake or oh yeah, that looked really real. So I guess that meant, means the the effects were doing their job. Yes. I would agree. I was reminded of how old the film was uh with a couple scenes, um but I thought especially that opening uh, woman to robot and back was done quite well. Yeah. Something else that just came to mind is sort of towards the middle of the movie when he's in the, uh, the junkyard with the other, the the dilapidated robots, they had a lot of like money shots of like faces turning and you'd see like the robot shell behind like this, like Mm -hmm. half face kind of things. I I thought that was, was pretty well done, especially yeah. Given the time that this came out. um yeah my my only two like moments of like oh that's a choice was uh (laughs) robin williams uh special effects robin Um, williams yeah the doctor no oh that was robin williams yeah i didn't know that yeah that was Robin Williams, and the animation was about as good as the genie, um, <laughs> and therefore it uh, it very much took me out of the uh, moment. Yeah, I think um, I agreed with that. And then um, uh, the the wolves, the hounds—I think they were called the hounds—just um, seemed like such a Mad Max rip off unneeded unjustified <laughs> like choice yeah that it it was too much and suddenly we're being very much a different movie we're suddenly <laughs> being chased by Daft Punk yep <laughs> yeah yeah well do you want to go into your full opinion on this then Roberts no I think you should go next I, I'm curious well <clears throat> so I'm kind of more middle of the road on this than Brennan. Like I'm kind of somewhere in between neutral. Like, yeah, it was fine. Uh, kind of in between that and like, eh, this is not that good. Um, but I, yeah, like on a, on a certain level, like it's, it's technically competent. Like we've been talking about, like it has aged pretty well for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to, uh, 
compliment sandwich this movie um go for it yeah so like i said earlier it's it's kind of like this movie is is sort of three different movies kind of all jammed together like the first act is you know kind of like family drama between the husband and wife and the uh david and then um eventually spoilers if you haven't seen it but their son comes back from the hospital and so then you've got this you know kind of brother versus brother rivalry going on so it's like the movie sets a certain cadence like okay so it's going to be about these you know this family learning to accept david as as part of the family you know but then it like takes a sudden left turn and then we're suddenly into like full-blown like disney boy goes on journey kind of territory where et like yeah very et like um i don't know what it's specifically reminding me of from the disney catalog but this it struck me as being like a very disney sort of like you know boy goes on episodic journey meets eccentric characters goes to crazy places kind of so it kind of turns into a different movie and then pinocchio perhaps yeah yeah Kind of, yeah, probably Pinocchio. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, David teams up with a male prostitute played by Jude Law and go- <laughs> that was funny. goes that on was this funny. epic quest to become a real boy. And then that kind of comes to a screeching halt after several episodes and we jump 2,000 years into the future. And then it becomes yet another kind of movie with a different tone and a different set of rules um so yeah just structurally this movie's kind of all over the place um there were scenes that i liked i i liked um oh the birthday party scene where they uh he he drags um martin into the pool with him i thought that was yeah. was well done um yeah the the doctor no scene did kind of take me out of it just because the cg was not great and it it was kind of at odds with everything else we'd seen up to this point like suddenly we're looking at a early 2000s computer generated cartoon yeah um the writing was kind of hit and miss for me i I didn't think it was it seemed like a lot of boilerplate kind of stuff that you get in like science fiction that is talking about artificial intelligence i guess like you know, what does it mean to be intelligent and can we create life and, you know, stuff that I've, you know, has been in other science fiction movies. It it didn't strike me as anything particularly original or, um, insightful, I guess, but yeah. So I don't know. I'm kind of in the middle. Like I, I know I've been mostly saying negative things, but like I said, there, I did like parts of it and there were, certain scenes that I thought were, were done very nicely. Um, but yeah, probably, uh, I don't know. I'm going to go thumbs sideways for now and see if, if one of you guys can tip me one way or the other. Robert. Well, (laughs) uh, my biggest problem with this film was I just was never sure what it was trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a lot of the same complaints as you, Elliot. Um, but on top of that, like, at first I thought that we were... So the opening scene, I thought we were having, like, a, a lecture to a bunch of students on, like, how to build robots. Mm-hmm. But no, this is just apparently a team meeting for development or something which by the way why is their company headquarters in a like half sunk city reasons (laughs) um (laughs) and then we like ignore all these characters that we set up and we jump to the house Um, we jump to the hospital first right okay we jump to the hospital science lab science lab hospital yeah and we deal with um, this family and these new sets of characters. Right. And then, as Elliot was saying, we were like, okay, but...
buckle up for this family genre. Like, honestly, I expected uh, David to kill everyone. <laughs> nope, yep. Like, that's, that's, that's yep. what I, like, out of self-defense, out of love, out of something, yeah. I... Well, it's certainly, it's, you know, they, they, you get that one-two punch of the scene with the scissors and he almost pokes his mom's eye yeah. out and then the birthday party. So you think it's heading in that direction, you know? And then, nope, we're just gonna ignore the family and not see them they again. They literally don't Bye. come back. Well, I mean, nope. I guess the mom oh. comes back at the, the very end, but... Sort of, the mom sort comes of. back. Sort of. We'll um, get... Just kind I, of like... Yeah, then it's one of those abandoned But don't worry, dogs. there's a lovely through line, which is Winnie <laughs> the Pooh in this. Um, <laughs> okay, okay. I'm not sure so, what he's doing in the adventure. I, I actually did not find... I When they introduced the walking, talking teddy bear, I was like, oh, no, don't do this. No, 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 no. But it actually, I didn't think that character ended up being that annoying. It, he yeah, seemed a little... It kind of gave me a... a Ted feel. Yeah, I thought of Ted. This is like proto Ted. Yes, for sure. Um but yeah, he was just he felt kind of superfluous. Sorry, I interrupted, Robert. No, you're taking the words right out of my mouth. We're we're doing things for the sake of doing them is what it seems in this entire movie. Then so would it d- would it be justifiable introduce... just one other thought on the on the teddy bear would it mm-hmm. seem more justifiable to include this character in the movie if i told you that the bear was stanley kubrick's idea no <laughs> <laughs> right answer <laughs> um but but was that it was so that's oh, okay. what steven spielberg says in interviews because people, people ac- attack that people accused him of of cutesifying stanley kubrick's sure. original script and he would say things like well the teddy bear was Kubrick's idea and you know and kind of list off elements that seem Spielberg-esque from the script that were actually Stanley Kubrick so well, take that for what it's worth there you go um but then we move on and we set up this character of Gigolo Joe <laughs> what do you know what do you know Joe um <laughs> Who, I mean, we legitimately just start following him. We jump to him, David's nowhere around, like, we're just following him. Yeah, it almost struck like, me okay, as... okay, now like, it's time to see this guy's journey and arc and grow... No, right. no, he's gonna be gone in a second or two. I almost then, thought that it was gonna be, like, an anthology film, because we just, like, there's this hard break where david is left in the woods and then we go mm-hmm. to gigolo joe and we spend all this time with him by himself and like oh hallucinatory hallu- <laughs> i can't even say the word Hall- hallucinogenic i think is the word you're yes. looking for yes um journey i feel like after the whole af- once we hit gigolo joe it's just like a big hallucination type thing so i agree with you elliot when i watched it at first i was like oh we've just jumped in time and now we're gonna look at this post post apocalyptic world where now robots are the same number as humans and there's now this like they're more self-aware but there's this class difference um, but no, no, this is just a random character who apparently is capable of all the same feelings, thoughts, and choices as David, but David is remarkable and brand new and everyone <laughs> is amazed by him, but that's fine. Um, then, uh, we randomly, and I'm a little out of order here, but we randomly jump back to Professor Hobby. Remember him? You don't? Oh, well, he was the guy who was important for the first five minutes and then he ignored. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we then find out that David is modeled after his dead son, maybe? I mean, it's very, yeah. like... Vague. Vague, but that's definitely the feeling it's trying to, like, give. And you're like, oh, so this will be... No, no, this will not be a thing. Um, (laughs) Hobby will apparently hack into Dr. No to send you 
back to him because he cares a lot, but he won't actually intervene. And now he's just going to leave the room to find everyone for two <laughs> hours, I guess, because they went on a coffee break. Where is everyone else? <laughs> and then David just goes swimming, and uh, which well, we wait, already which learned at you, the... Oh, you're skipping to the end. Okay. Yes, I'm skipping to the end. Uh, we already yeah. learned... Uh, that David can just survive underwater and be fine. Um, so we kind of know where this is going, but then Joe saves him for no reason. Is that... Oh, so the the bear can be there as well. Sorry, I forgot. The bear <laughs> needs to be there. Um, and then we jump to alien robots? Robotic oh aliens? This is... Aliens is sort of like Spielberg's Deus Ex Machina. Like, if he can't figure out how to end his movie um aliens <laughs> yeah <laughs> really pretty much um so aliens uh and then um he became a real boy question mark he he learned how to dream but he never woke up he how do we know that he learned how to dream who is the narrator? I'm so confused. I think, uh, oh yeah, right. See, I was under the impression that Professor Hobby, no, it must nope. be the, the aliens are the narrator. Because they, they, have s- to be. they yeah. suddenly start using English, like, which bugged me. Because in the first scene when we're introduced to the aliens, <laughs> they're using this like inaudible kind of, like it's subtitles. Well, but, they've learned it from, from him. Ah, ah. That doesn't actually make any sense because they've already successfully brought people back for a day from the dead, so they should have been able to learn it from them, but they didn't. They learned it from him. <laughs> Did but anyone else Meryl also get... Streep showed up, so we're fine. Can I can I just ask a question about the science behind this these aliens? <laughs> if yeah. if they're able to bring people back for a day from DNA, yes. why don't they just like keep like duplicating the DNA sequence and right? like, like there was more than one piece of hair. So yeah. could have brought her back like, for like I a mean, week, a month something. Sure. I mean, it's like she would die, but they just bring another one back the next right. day, you know, I problem I solved, <laughs> but it's okay because he learned how to dream, I guess. <laughs> I, I don't know. So thumbs down for you. It sounds like, I mean, I enjoyed watching it. I really did. Yeah. But, it, yes, thumbs down from this chair. Can we just give a shout out to Mad-Eye Moody in a giant cowboy hat? <laughs> <laughs> yes, for sure. He was, he was randomly in this. <clears throat> Everyone. Chris Rock was in this. <laughs> Yeah, um, so we've sort of, yeah, inadvertently kind of talked about the the arc that this movie has. Um, I don't know if it's worth it to kind of go back and rehash it point by point, but yeah. Yeah, probably not. I will say that I thought that Haley Joel Osment did a really good job acting the part. Oh, yeah. No, 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 Uh, he he was great in this. And I thought Jude Law was also really good. I like Jude Law pretty much like anything he's in. Just yeah. because he's Jude Law. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I want to talk about the the flesh fair scene a little bit. Um, yeah, <clears throat> this was oh, the yeah. point when we met the man and the girl who seemed like they had a story. And we nope, they're not important <laughs> either. It's fine. Well, yeah. So it's like this was the point when I started questioning. Like, am I? Did I like sit on the remote and change channels? And now I'm watching <laughs> another movie. Because the tone is just completely different. It has, it, it suddenly feels like we're no longer in the future, but we're at a late 90s road show, which yeah. is appropriate because that was probably when this was filmed. Um, but yeah, it's just like it totally, it completely shifts and we're no, no longer in the future. And I mean, apart from the fact that we've got the, the robots in the cage, I guess, but it just felt odd. And then the the thematic nature of it never came back either. Like this, this whole idea that there's this, you know, uh, 
section of of the human race who is trying to put down the robots because of human superiority but that never came back it seemed like this was trying to like take a principal stand but -hmm. i could never decide for what like yeah i I didn't know if we were trying to like make an analogy for like race or class Mm -hmm. or gender or anything because it seemed like it was trying to but it it didn't it didn't do anything other than say robots are people too, which maybe in a couple years will be an important message. But at the time, <laughs> I'm sorry, Roomba. I love you. Um, <laughs> but I mean, this brings me back to my big problem with the character of Joe, which is he goes along with David, he thinks things through, he gets excited for things, he fears mm-hmm. getting captured, he has all the same character arc as David, um, but yeah. this crowd of angry humanists, is what I'm going to call them, mm-hmm. uh, suddenly don't want to see uh, Mecha get destroyed because the Mecha's afraid, but every other mecha has also been afraid well i think it's because it was david that because it was a they'd never seen a mecha boy before and so that was what was tipped them over the edge i don't buy it they're they're not people (laughs) on the edge they're on the opposite edge yeah something else that i thought was kind of off from the first well not the first part of the movie because the first part of the movie was technically that whatever the, so the part of the movie with the family, I thought was right. weird. Something I thought was weird with that aspect was, so the dad brings uh, David, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. says he's already signed this paper or whatever. Um, the fact that he never inputs his part of the code in, though, either. Thoughts yeah. on that? Were what they supposed to both? was the uh, non-disclosure um, he yeah, but he tell he, other robot companies that hey, they're making a kid. Um, but yes, he went from being like, "This is a great idea," to "I hate this thing." Even before <laughs> their son came back. Yeah, I thought yeah. that was very plot hole Mm-hmm. Yeah, they didn't really develop the dad's character. Also. It wasn't the whole sales pitch for David that he was a perfect kid and wouldn't give you all the stress and annoyance of non-perfect kids. And, like, the first thing he does is break her expensive perfume that they don't make anymore. <laughs> That's a yeah. good point. Yeah, he, he starts causing quite a bit of trouble. And walks in the whole walking in on her in the bathroom. Yeah. It... <laughs> yeah. I found you. <laughs> thought that was weird. That was so weird. It, and it wasn't really played for laughs either. It was and like, oh, that was a joke, I guess. Before she was on board with this, he's like, I don't need to sleep, but I can go lay down and be quiet for as long as you want. And then we spend the next day, two days, week, who knows, Like, trying to avoid him and make him go somewhere, but we don't ask him to just go and sleep? That's what I would do if I had a robot that wouldn't leave me alone. Shoves him in a closet for who knows how long. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yep. Years. (laughs) I know know you're supposed to be my child, but here's the closet. You don't need food. You don't need sleep. Just hang out in this closet for a while. Hey, it worked for Harry Potter, guys. (laughs) Uh, That's true. He turned out okay. Yeah, well, so thinking back to the stuff in the house, like, it seemed like that was, um, in terms of cinematography, the most inventive part of the movie. Like, it seemed like Steven Spielberg kept coming up with interesting angles to shoot from in that apartment. Yeah. Yeah. But I also, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed that bed. I'm not going to lie, the kid's bed. (laughs) The kid's bed. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I I would want that bed. The vehicle that they drove to. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell if that was practical or not. Was that, do you think they built 
actual like future cars for this or did that look like cg to you guys it looked like cg to me um admittedly i have not done as much research as i normally do so i can't say well actually um <laughs> but it it looked like cg to me yeah um if you guys want to continue talking about intro can we take a second to appreciate the poster like the cover art for the oh I'm that's not sure if you guys have seen it but yes, yeah it's pretty cool that I is like that it. it's a pretty clever yeah with her he's the letter i stepped out of yeah. the a that that, that was yeah. whoever did Page the poster a word picture for the uh listeners well so it's like it the movie's called ai so it's two giant letters a and i and the portion of the A that's hollow is a silhouette of the boy, which has been removed to form the I next to it. So it's this little cutout of the boy standing next to the letter A. <clears throat> so yeah, I mean, whoever did the poster should, you know, pat on the back there. Um, I liked the opening title too, for what it was worth, where you had the words artificial intelligence overlapping each other. And then it got, and then it, yeah. Oh, eventually just AI was left. Yeah. Um, yeah. In earlier episodes. Um, so Brennan, you're not privy to this, but Robert and I have been talking about um, convenience in Spielberg movies. Uh, just like, when is it acceptable for the audience for something convenient to happen to the hero? And when is it not? Um, I felt like having, so skipping back to the end of the movie where he, falls off the building, goes underwater, and just happens to spot the Coney Island Park that has the Pinocchio, you know, section that forms, like, the whole basis of the end of the movie. I think that's, like, about as coincidental as, as they you come. Can get. Yeah. Yeah. So, let's talk about that whole through plot uh, foreshadowing whatever we want to call it but the the pinocchio ties what what did we think of that well you've got Ho hobbs was that his name i don't know why i keep on calling him hobbs was that his name the professor creator? hobby hobby that's what it is is that geppetto feel mm -hmm. we've got um david as pinocchio we've got was it the Blue Fairy? We got Gigolo Joe instead of Jiminy Cricket, which is yeah. If you think of it that way, it's kind of ironic that like Jiminy Cricket is like your conscience, whereas Gigolo Joe is arguably like the opposite. Right. Um. Yeah. Did it work for you? Did you find it annoying? What the Some... Pinocchio archetypes? Yeah. I liked it at first when they first introduced it with the book and with the obvious sly remark that the real kid was making towards David. Mm -hmm. I liked it at that point in the movie. I felt like once it got into Gigolo Joe show, I felt <laughs> like it was a little bit too much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Brian Aldiss, the uh, short story author, um, called up Spielberg and begged him to leave the Pinocchio references out. Oh, interesting. Um, because they were not in his story. And he was like, Pinocchio's its story. My story is its own story. Let it be its own story. Yeah. Um, which Spielberg just responded with, well, I'm making Stanley's story now, and Stanley wanted this. Um, <laughs> which, I mean, fair, I guess. <laughs> but It was a very uh, postmodern sort of move to make. Because yes. In, rather than letting the story stand on its own and let your audience like make that connection, oh, it's like a modern Pinocchio you're deliberately inserting Pinocchio as an element in your story as a reference point for yeah. the characters to point back to. So, yeah. I don't know. It, I think it worked for me most of the time. Um, it did get a little annoying, like you guys said, as the movie kind of went on. It got more noticeable and more um, on the nose, I guess. Like, this is the direction we're heading 
he's going to find the blue fairy in some form. Right. I, I can say that I honestly didn't know how it was going to end. I, there was definitely a part <laughs> of me that thought that they were going to figure out a way to give him a soul or something. But no, they just, they hit, went for an extended coffee break and let him fall off the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> I really, fine. I really expected it to go back and tie back towards the beginning some sort of way with the yeah. family, with him somehow coming back and. Yeah. I think we can all agree that him turning on all the uh, Davids and Daphne's? Whatever uh, the female. Yeah, yeah, right. Some D name. I don't think it was Daphne. I think it was like. Darla or something like that. Darla sounds more correct, yeah. Um, Dana, Donna. I think he should have awoken them all and uh, started a small children's (laughs) army of death. Would have been a much better ending. So, did you guys watch Rugrats? Yes. Up? Do you yes. remember that episode uh, with uh, Mr. Friendly, the little robot clown that Stu makes? And he's got like a hundred Mr. Friendlies in the basement, and like one of them turns the other ones on, and they all turn each other yes. on. And <laughs> that would have been an interesting direction for this to go to have like a hundred Davids running around and screaming i'm david i'm david (laughs) killing each other that was another part of this that was kind of disappointing to me was the scene right before this where he comes into the office and the chair spins around and you think it's going to be professor hobby but then it's another david and they kind of play it like it's going to be this big plot twist that you didn't see coming at least that's how i felt right no i was waiting it doesn't go anywhere so i was like oh is Hobby's son not actually dead? And, oh, yeah. Like, or, he right. was the model, was, and this yeah. is, like, an actual, real, live David. Like, like this is the he's real He's a real David. boy. Yeah. And then we could have, like, shifted perspective in the... Like, I was I was ready for something cool, but no, just, just another robot. It's fine. Which also, apparently we don't need David to come back because we have literally hundreds of other Davids, so... <laughs> well, so, see, I don't see the appeal, though. Like, if I was a parent wanting a kid, I wouldn't want, like... A kid like another kid. Right, they're all... They, if they're all going to be exactly identical, like, what's the point? It's yeah. Like, yeah. It's yeah, that was I, kind of I don't odd. think they did a good job of like explaining the appeal because <laughs> well clearly it, you want to get a robot don't... boy that will like try to stab your eye out in the middle of the night and clearly you want a robot underwater. boy that will never grow up, will never like learn, will never yeah, do any of the things that you as a parent want them to do. Right. Right. Like, I think a more interesting story would have been watching why, uh... Why grass grows? Why... (laughs) (laughs) Why Hobby wanted to make him so bad. Because we set this up as everyone else is like, uh, well, I mean, you're the boss, so I guess we'll do this, but this is a stupid idea. Mm-hmm. And, oh, he lost his son, and, oh, he's trying to fight. No, okay, we don't care about him at all, actually. Just kidding. Yeah. He's gonna go and get coffee. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was pretty underdeveloped. The Blue Fairy at the end of the movie... Yeah. Physically, Meryl what... Okay, yes, Meryl Streep. Physically, what were we seeing on screen? Was it a projection by the aliens? That's how I took it, yeah. Yeah, that was like... So, the, I mean, the CG up to this point was, you know, passable, in my opinion. Like, even Dr. No didn't look that bad. Like, it looked kind of dated, but it looked like they spent some time rendering it. Sure. The Blue Fairy at the end looked like they, you know, weren't trying. Weren't trying too hard. They like cranked it out in an afternoon. I I thought so. The the, the it looked like ooh, this is this part does not aged well. Yeah, I don't. I didn't understand how they went from going back to the um, opening and to where they open up uh, David's body from those to where it seemed real. 
to mm-hmm. having these CGI parts yeah. that you can tell where it's like goes back to when I earlier also when I was talking about hallucinogenic type stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it it was kind of it, it felt like it took a nosedive in that scene for like me. Like it like it went from a sci-fi type movie to a more of a Disney cartoon esque mm-hmm. theme. The ending was very like fairy tale esque. It was sort of like a sci fi fairy tale kind of vibe to it. Yeah. <clears throat> Which again, tonal shift from what we had before. Um and that was Movie Club. Okay, guys. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Well said. Well said. <laughs> uh, I think that your wrap-up question, does this go to the desert island, is kind of a... Moot point at this point. Moot point at this point, yeah. 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 I'm glad I watched it. Yeah, it was very... I, like, I enjoyed watching it as a total totality of it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, Do you think it would have been a better film not in the hands of Spielberg? If Stanley Kubrick had done it. Sure. So I don't know that that's necessarily the case because he had some pretty weird ideas that ended up not getting in there. He wanted David to be computer generated. Right. Because, as a, like to represent that he was artificial intelligence. and Like the holographic reason, type. Yeah. yeah, not played kind by of an like, actual actor. Right, right. Kind of more along the lines of, um, shoot, what's the... Like Gollum from Lord of the Rings, for instance. Yeah. Um, but the, the, he, he, the reason he kept delaying the project was he felt like computer imagery wasn't at the point yet wasn't where there. he could yeah. realize it. Yeah, so... But uh, then Jurassic Park... Right, he saw Jurassic Park, and he was like, oh, dang, I'll hand it off to the Steven Spielberg guy. He knows how to do computers... Um, so I think I, they were actually friends all the way back from Indiana Jones. I think they met oh, in the filming of that. I uh, did not know that. Well, don't worry. Yeah, we'll edit that keep... part out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Um, so, yeah, I don't know how well that would have worked if you had had your main character as a computer-generated boy, especially as an early 2000s movie. I don't know that that would have worked. So I think Spielberg did the right thing, casting a real boy in the role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it would definitely was... be a darker movie. Um, sure. This it... was definitely not filmed like a Kubrick movie. That was one of the first things I noticed watching this, was that it was definitely filmed like Spielberg. Like, you didn't have any of the symmetry of, like, Kubrick's later work in there. Yeah, in the I would say that it was Spielberg paying attention to Kubrick and doing his own thing. Um, He used wide-angle lenses a lot more than Spielberg traditionally does, and uh, that's something that Stanley Kubrick, I think he shot, like, on a 12mm for all of his films. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, I did think that there was a sense of, like, I'm trying to make this our movie instead of just mine. But mm. when one of the partners is dead, the live <laughs> one is definitely going to win most arguments. Right. So, yeah, I don't know that this would have been improved um, if Kubrick had done it necessarily. Like, it sounded like the script had gone through several iterations by the time that Kubrick and Spielberg were looking at it. Um, so I think that might kind of explain why this was such a disjointed movie just because so many hands had been on the script. Yeah. I don't know that for a fact. That's just speculation, but... Well, uh, Stanley Kubrick uh, approached um, Brian Albus, Albus, Mm -hmm. whatever his name is, um, and commissioned him to do the first treatment. Right. Um, And then... uh, Then it went through a bunch of things, but Stanley was always attached from the get-go. Mm. Um, and then he brought in uh, 
<laughs> Spielberg in <laughs> a truly Stanley Kubrick sort of way where he made him get a new secured uh, telephone line for a fax machine in his house that only he would have. And he uh, made him swear that he wouldn't uh, let anyone else see it and (laughs) would keep it secret because he was afraid that L.A. being the worst place in the world, um, that his house would constantly be, you know, broken into and thieves would steal these great ideas so he made him keep it in his bedroom um and he would send faxes of different things over at like 3 or 4 a.m which uh spielberg's wife put up with for precisely one night and then uh moved it out into the living room (laughs) that's great so there's that (laughs) all for this movie all for this yeah um I thought that there was, like, an odd amount of sexual innuendo and tension for a Spielberg movie. Well, and especially where your main character is, like, a 10- or 11-year-old boy, this was, like, laced with so much sexual innuendo. Yes. It just, parts of it just felt kind of uncomfortable to me that, like, Jude Law would be, like, you know, making these innuendos in front of Haley Joel Osment and I'm like, oh, this feels wrong. For sure. And like the imagery of modern day Las Vegas or whatever that was supposed to be. Rouge. Um, yeah. Where you have to enter through a woman's mouth and just like all all of this. Or at the very beginning, he's like, take off your clothes, female robot. <laughs> but then stops her immediately. And it's like, are, are we trying to show that they'll listen to any commands? Which would make sense if this was like a lecture at a university, but nope, it's not a lecture. It's to your company <laughs> that already knows what robots do. So yeah. why are we telling her to take her clothes off and then stopping it? <laughs> like, it, it didn't feel like straight-laced Spielberg, mm-hmm. who would you know avoid these sort of things. Right. But then not- you're reminded that Spielberg is here stopping them from going too far but then why are they in there at all yeah no i i totally agree it was it was uncomfortable a lot of, in a lot of places <clears throat> i don't know who this movie was for to be honest it was not a family it was not spielberg family fair no um but yeah Well, any other <laughs> thoughts, comments, concerns? I'm gonna say no. Yeah, I'm kind of. I I'm kind of done beating I this. Mean, I'm all for beating a dead horse. <laughs> uh. Well, I think that that wraps up the Spielberg month of movies. And on that note. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So so overall, impressions of Spielberg from mm. this month. I think, well, Brandon, do you want to go first? Nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you missed out on half of this. Um, no, yeah. I think it was interesting to, to watch four of his back-to-back. Um, I certainly got a much better appreciation for his style as a director and sort of by proxy as a cinematographer. Um, certainly gained a lot of appreciation for his oneers. Yeah. Um, which I noticed a lot of in pretty much every one of these. Like even AI had some nice oneers in it. It I sure noticed. did, yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, definitely kind of his style kind of is a lot more. Just to prove that we're not just saying things, I really enjoyed the uh, <laughs> oneer as we were passing Teddy back and forth to the lost and found. Yes. Yeah. That was the one I was thinking of. Yeah. I mean, it didn't do anything for the plot granted, but it was, it had Teddy in it. Of course it it didn't do anything for the plot. I think the movie was just about Teddy. I need to find David. I need to find David. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) So I think the highlight for me was either saving private Ryan or, or, watching Raiders for the umpteenth time. Yeah. Um, so definitely, you know, overall positive, you know, 
Yeah. Um, For me, uh, he's uh, one of my favorite directors. Mm. Um, I really enjoyed getting to do a deep dive into his work. I enjoyed watching AI because I had never seen it. Um, I don't know if I'll ever watch it again, but I'm glad that I have seen it. I think my highlight uh, was actually Duel. Um, mm. Because just kind of watching one of his an unpolished Spielberg, you know, just raw talent figuring it out, yeah, um, making mistakes. Honestly, you know, mm-hmm. some, yeah. some choices that weren't the best, but just watching that compared to where he's gotten was really cool. Yeah, sure, we can yeah. really see his evolution and how much he's grown through mm-hmm. just the four movies we wa- watched this month. How, where mm-hmm. he, I mean, he started with Duel and uh, which, which one was the last one? Was it uh, Raiders or was it? AI, AI was the would latest. Be the most recent. Oh really? Yeah. I was thinking. Oh. Still. Yeah, and it's it, he's still at it too. You know, it's like it's not like he's declined right. or yeah. has retired. He's still making quality stuff. Like the Post came out recently. That was an outstanding movie of his. Um, I didn't see Ready Player One, but I heard it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. it I enjoyed the book more, but, you know. Such is life. Such is <laughs> As life. As it goes. Um, yeah, so overall, positive. Well, cool. Thanks for joining us. Come back next month when we'll have picked a new theme. Should we reveal next month's theme? I guess we could, since we're the la- this is the last one of the month. For for the one person that's still listening at this point? <laughs> yep. Hasn't, like, hit fast forward to go to the next podcast? Uh-huh. Um, Congratulations, you brave soul who have stuck with us so to the very end. <laughs> the next four weeks are going to be um, recent movies. Uh, specifically, the category we set was it has to be within the most recent starting from today 365 days in the past so within that span of time anything is up for grabs the the thought being that spielberg was kind of skewed towards you know older movies um but this would be sort of a sampling of recent stuff that's come out so we're each going to pick a movie that came out within the last 365 days and and that's the release date not the the filming date correct yeah it has to be in between it had to have come out on May 22nd, 2017 or later. Personally, I'm excited to watch um, Pitch Perfect 3. Uh, <laughs> I think it'll teach us a lot about cin- cinema. So, Cinnamon. 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 <laughs> now I just want French toast. All right. Well, thanks, thanks. for potting with me, guys. Yep. Yep. It was fun. Bye.